Hey, Real Talkers, Rachel Notley took the Alberta NDP from four to 54 seats in the legislature. She took an unlikely bunch from obscurity to a majority government and put a progressive stamp on a province that had seen back-to-back conservative dynasties. Upon announcing her intent to resign as leader of the now official opposition, she triggers a race of legitimate contenders vying to be Alberta's next NDP premier. In this episode, you'll hear from former Energy Minister Mark McQuaig-Boyd, former Notley Senior Advisor Leah Ward, and the founding president of the United Conservatives, Erica Baroudis, about Rachel's legacy, the scuttlebutt around potential leadership candidates, and the future of the Alberta NDP. This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. For more than a decade, she has been the face of Alberta's NDP. For four of those years, she was the premier of Alberta, taking the party from four seats in the Alberta legislature to 54. She valiantly fought to keep that title, but couldn't stand in the way of Jason Kenney's United Conservative Party. And then she went toe-to-toe again. As you know, just this past May against Danielle Smith and those United Conservatives, it wasn't meant to be by just a hair. Rachel Notley's NDP lost that election. And as you know, she has just tendered her resignation in a sense, put the province and her caucus on notice that she will be stepping aside at the culmination of a leadership race. The question is now, who will lead Alberta's official opposition forward? Who could be Alberta's next premier? We get into it today with a former minister under Rachel Notley, a former senior advisors of, uh, advisor of hers, a director of communications, and someone who's fought against Rachel Notley for years as the founding president of those United Conservatives. You're going to meet the three of them in a second. But first, we want to let you know that this episode of Real Talk is happening with the support of our friends at Rello. You know, the kids are back in school. The new year is turned over. We're into 2024. And for a lot of people, there's talk about resolutions or new leafs or new directions. If you're feeling stuck or unsatisfied at your job, now's the perfect time to go back to school for a new career. How about in real estate? Rello's got affordable online courses that make it easy to pass your exam and get your real estate license so you can start running your own business, setting your own hours, being your own boss, plus unlimited earning potential. How good does that sound? Now, what sets Rello apart is how committed they are to your success, whether it's the live instructors hosting online exam prep sessions every Saturday or the resources that are there long after you've got your license. Rello wants to see you succeed. And right now, a great offer for those of you hearing about this on Real Talk. You can save 20% on any Rello course with the code REALTALK. That's REALTALK, all one word, at Rello.ca. Mark McQuaig-Boyd was Alberta's Minister of Energy under Premier Rachel Notley. She's making uh, her Real Talk in-studio debut, which is awesome to see you here. Thanks for being here. I'm going to have to get to you. I'm going to have to not call you minister. Uh, Right now, you're doing work we're going to get into uh, at an advocacy firm, of course, working alongside a former ministerial colleague of yours, 
Darren Billis, who was on the show just a short time ago. So I'm looking forward to picking your brain, Mark. Thanks for being here. Uh, Leah Ward is joining us. Uh, Leah served as a senior advisor for Rachel Notley through her four years as premier and stayed on as director of communications for two years uh, after that, now working in uh, public policy. And, and do we call you a lobbyist? Is that the word you, you, you shy away from or, or, or cringe at or is it fair to call you a I, lobbyist? I, I don't think it's a dirty word. Some people do. We, government relations, public affairs. You know, yeah. That's, it's it's a profession. Good. So it sure <laughs> is a heck of a profession. It's an important profession. And we find a lot of people jumping in and out of politics. You know the questions coming, Leah. Whose leadership <laughs> campaign are you working on? But first, why don't we say hello to our guest rounding out our Real Talk Roundtable today. She's the founding president of the United Conservatives. Uh, she was principal secretary under Danielle Smith. And of course, she's the co-host of The Discourse, an Alberta politics podcast. Erica Barudis, welcome back to studio. Thank you. Uh, for people that aren't listening on the podcast, there's no way of them knowing that all three of you <laughs> match uh and in, in sort of a hilarious development um leah you and erica are basically dead ringers for each other this morning at least in a few ways tweed is in yeah <laughs> all rocking the tweed the plaid tweed and black yeah. yeah i like it you nailed it everybody on the same page here uh, before we get into this and we're expecting a good candid conversation we'll tee up some of the, the perceived front runners nobody's obviously declared their intent to seek the leadership yet but why don't we take a look at a video this was released by rachel notley yesterday the whole video is about seven minutes we've pulled out the part that i think is most significant at least from a poly watching standpoint here's where she assesses her record in alberta politics we approved and built the calgary cancer center a decision that was at least a decade overdue we stood up for the rights of working people improving their access to unions increasing their time off protecting their safety in the workplace and we were the first jurisdiction in North America to raise the minimum wage to $15 per hour, making a real difference in the life of Alberta's working poor and tens of thousands of young families. We secured Alberta's first pipeline to Tidewater in over 50 years, ensuring that the return to Albertans for the sale of the resources we all own is permanently increased. We eliminated coal-fired electricity in Alberta, thereby increasing the health of countless citizens and at the same time kickstarting our renewable energy industry to be the fastest growing on the continent, all while significantly reducing our emissions in one fell swoop. And finally, in the midst of a recession caused by the international collapse in the price of oil, seriously folks, I didn't cause that, we cut child poverty in half. But as I said, we didn't get it all right. And Albertans told us so in April of 2019. Now I thought about leaving then, and there are many reasons why I did not. But the biggest is probably this. Too many people were declaring that the Alberta NDP was done, and more importantly, that Alberta was destined to revert back to being a one-party conservative state. And I knew that wasn't true. And I also knew that it would be awful for Albertans if they came to believe that it was. So. Four years later, last spring, we came so close to earning the right to lead Alberta again. We received the highest percentage of the vote that the Alberta NDP ever has. We won all of Edmonton. We won the majority of seats in Calgary. We increased our vote throughout the province and we elected the largest official opposition in the history of this province. An opposition that is, by the way, very, very ready to take over the reins of government. But it wasn't enough, and that's why it's now time 
for me to leave. So that's a portion of the video released by Rachel Notley yesterday. Obviously, Leah, you would have been a big part of a lot of that work as a senior advisor through those years as she lists off the things that she's most proud of as the NDP served as Alberta's government for those four years. What do you think is the number one when you're talking legacy or maybe the most significant achievement? What would it be? It's I find it really hard to distinguish between the political impact that Rachel Notley has had on the province and and the and the effect of the policies that she listed in her in her sort of exit video there. So, you know, she names things like the Trans Mountain Pipeline um, at, at the time, North America's uh, most ambitious climate uh, uh, climate plan, um, reducing child poverty uh, was a was a huge source of pride for her. And, you know, those things aren't aren't as lasting as maybe we would have hoped because of course you see governments change and new policies uh, implemented. Um, but but the mark she has left on the province in terms of consolidating progressive voters under an NDP banner, inviting people to vote NDP in record numbers, um, um, you know, defining the NDP as a viable alternative to a conservative government where we can be competitive in in elections. Those things will, uh, you know, that that that's legacy making. Uh, it's pretty cool for us to have a former energy minister in the House. And but uh, don't think that you're going to get out of here without us talking about what happened with the grid over the weekend, Mark. Oh, my God. Obviously, you'll have some insight into that. But but as, as Leah details, you know, you look at this party that goes from um, I won't say it was like not a joke that's that's you know kind of a a brutal thing to say but four seats in the legislature nobody was talking about the ndp forming government there were people working hard i remember back you know darren billis and brian mason rachel notley everybody's remembering that that crew david agan uh but but then you're part of this crew that rolls in uh the critics called it the accidental government you guys called it the orange crush as you look now at the state of the party a pretty dramatic growth over the the notley years so to speak Absolutely. Um, you know, when I think back, uh, the first caucus meeting we had, I only knew Rachel. I didn't know everyone else. So we were all new, new to the, new to the job. I had a little more seasoning being an older candidate. Uh, you know, I'd been in other jobs that prepared me for this. But uh, to look from that day to now, and uh, as Leah said, that's legacy making, it's hist- history. I think Rachel showed that you can, you can, govern with compassion and integrity and still run a government and run a province. And I think that's going to be one of her big legacies. You, you, you get some insight. Those outside Alberta get some insight into the challenge mm-hmm. or maybe the requirement uh, that comes with being an Alberta NDP leader. You, I, I don't mm-hmm. suspect you hear any other NDP leader on their way out with a big smile on their face talking about the first pipeline to Tidewater in 50 yep. years. Obviously, that was a big file on your desk, too. Oh, that was huge. And I, I still remember the day she came in and she said, I've convinced the feds that they need to buy this and uh, save this project. And I knew how huge it would be for Alberta and for Canada. And, you know, it's had its delays. But honestly, when it opens up, it's going to be huge. And uh, that's a legacy she can be super proud of as well. Hmm. Erica Brudis, the, the conservative perspective on this, the you know, I mean, you, you've had sort of over the years and people talk about the NDP in, the, in that sort of fourth place party status back in the day and, you know, 2014 era, um, you, you know, you have these progressive conservatives, this dynasty, then you've got the wild rose. The Alberta liberals were kind of a thing. The Alberta party was kind of a thing, you know, uh, now you look at it and, and, and basically the person that's going to win this leadership race is the person that's going to be going, as they know, pretty much head to head with whoever's going to be leading the United Conservatives into the next election. It's changed stakes. It's a different landscape. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I just want to take a minute to to mention the legacy that Rachel Notley has had. Um, she made the Alberta NDP what the Alberta NDP was, and she did, as we've talked about, um, you know, it's it's not common for an NDP or an NDP government to advocate for a pipeline. So she did move the party um, far more centrist, which I think is going to be interesting for this leadership race of the people coming in. Or are they going to come you know, try to shift the party maybe back more to its ideological beliefs? Or are they going to hover in that middle spot, that sweet spot that I think Rachel Notley did a really good job of finding to approach and and get the progressives in? So she's leaving um, big, big shoes to fill. I mean, I think she, for most part, is is the brand of the NDP. So who's ever coming in for this leadership race has big shoes and and a lot of um, legacy to to step into. I think that Erica makes a great point, Leah. And and you you take a look at, at some of the work that the Notley government did and achieved. And I know that everybody is really proud about, you know, cutting those child poverty rates in half. And I know that she's obviously mentioned it really proud about Alberta being the first jurisdiction to get minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour. But the critics on the left will say that that NDP government didn't go far enough, right? Like the advocates talking about how Aish hasn't really risen in meaningful ways. And that might be one example why people might say this next leader of this party might need to bring it back left, might need to swing it back more to the roots of, of what people across the country would understand new Democrats to be all about. Some others might wonder if the new NDP looks to resemble the former progressive conservatives, if there might be a spot there. What do you think will work? First of all, uh, Rachel did, in fact, increase age, uh, not only with a one time top up payment to to make up for years of of neglect in in raising rates, even when the province was flush with with oil money um, and also indexed it to cost of living to the things that the the UCP actually undid um, during hard times. So. So she did manage to do that when when the price of oil was low and and found a way to 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 make those investments in social programs while also uh, you know bringing down the deficit, which was also something that's part of her her governing record. Uh, so just 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 to include that in the list of accomplishments, I think is important. But when we talk about sort of the direction of the the future of the party, I think it's less about where it sits necessarily on the ideological spectrum and more about the kind of uh, progressive prairie pragmatism. I'll try and get those PPPs out here. <laughs> it works. Up, pop them into your mic here. But um, that uh, that characterized Rachel Notley and 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 successful NDP governments, uh, particularly in Western Canada. Right, we're seeing it happen in Manitoba. We're seeing it happen in BC. It's entirely possible here that a new leader comes in with practical, pragmatic ideas that excite uh, Albertans, that give them optimism, that that provides hope and and designs a, a vision for. Or a future that people want to be a part of, and 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 that's what I'm looking for. Less than you know, you know, are we gonna inch inch to the center, inch to the left? You know, what's that gonna look like? I think it's it's pragmatism, and that 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 can fall in different places. On I've got another P for you for our alliteration <laughs> journey here. What about personality, Mark? How important is personality? I mean, when you're talking about what Rachel Notley brought to the table, for that matter, what other premiers have brought to the table? There are some that are a little bit more. Um, I won't say mundane, reserved. Mm -hmm. And then there are some that, that, that are real characters. Uh, there are some that command a podium. Ralph Klein was one. <laughs> Peter Lougheed was one. Jason Kenney was certainly one. And Rachel Notley, Danielle Smith would qualify mm -hmm. as those yeah. as well. The NDP needs a charismatic leader, obviously. I think that's going to be a factor. Um, but I agree with Leah. I think, uh, you know, 
they're going to be looking for people are going to be looking for a practical pragmatic leader but they are want, going to want somebody that they think can create hope and create a vision to you know show us a vision and I, and i think for a lot of people they want to find a party that gives them hope and they feel they belong and i reading some of the comments last night in your poll um, there were people that said uh, she was the first premier that made me feel like I belonged in the huh. province. Mm. So I think it's going to be a combination. But yeah, absolutely. Personality matters. Hey, how, right. As you say this, how about the timing of this uh, note from Erica, who's watching on our YouTube? She's in our live chat right now. Erica with a it's C. It's not me. Yeah. Erica with a C. <laughs> this might be you, actually. It's not you. But I'm saying uh, you probably agree with the sentiment from Erica with a C, uh, who says generally not a fan of NDP policies. But I love Rachel Notley. Uh, you hear that from a lot of people. Yeah. I, I mean, how, this probably makes you just roll your eyes so hard you'll get a migraine, Leah. But I can't <laughs> think of how many people have said to me, just just shooting the breeze about Alberta politics. Gosh, if only Rachel Notley could have led the PCs. Yeah, yeah. Did you guys hear that all the time? Well, I, I do. I do not a, I'm it, not talking in cabinet meetings, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you hear. Well, you hear things like, you know, if Rachel led any other party in Alberta, she would have been the premier for many, many more years. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. We hear that sentiment. OK, so 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 here's the love in for Rachel Notley. Uh, <laughs> and, and I say it with a smile on my face because uh, I think she's an incredible person. I texted her my personal congratulations yesterday. Sure. And obviously she'll be coming on on Real Talk to chat uh, when the time is right. We could sit down and and, and chew the fat and get into the stories. Uh, but when we come back, uh, thank you for teeing up my unofficial unscientific <laughs> Twitter poll. That was a pro move there, I Mark. Uh, we're going <laughs> to get to what about a thousand people have said in the early hours of this. You can still chime in by following me on Twitter at Ryan Jesperson. And then we'll take a look at, at the perceived front runners here. Who's expected to toss their hat into the ring? Who, who might? Uh, who probably won't? We'll be looking to our live chat and to our hashtag as well, uh, Real Talk RJ. First, we wanted to let you know that this episode of Real Talk is happening with the support of our friends at Friesen Brothers. When you're talking about Alberta, you can't have that conversation without mentioning Friesen Brothers. You know, they're coming up on 75 years, still family-owned, unbelievable, 16 different Alberta locations. And as the weather stays where it is right now, Friesen Brothers is uh, inviting you to indulge in comfort food through the month of January. Explore their website's recipe page. Some great resources there showcasing the finest ingredients from your local Friesen Brothers. Stews, slow cooker recipes, that shepherd's pie looks unbelievable you can find more information at freezen.com slash what's for dinner including videos to follow to make your cooking even easier how great is that we talked a bit about new year's resolutions we talked about turning over uh, a new leaf what about getting organized what about decluttering nobody can help you do that better than the team at california closets whether you're looking at your home's primary bedroom a storage room maybe it's the home office that you'd love to double as a guest room with one of those Murphy beds could even be your garage. Nobody does garages like California closets. It all starts with a free consultation. Their team will come up with solutions you never dreamed of. I say it with firsthand experience. Again, you can find them online at californiaclosets.ca. And if you're looking to educate yourself, if you're looking to school up before you hit the job market, have you considered Athabasca University? They're Canada's open university with tens of thousands of students across the country that choose them because they're getting world-class accredited online degrees and courses designed so you can complete your education wherever and whenever it works for you. Your only commute is to your device. You can open your options with online offerings at Athabasca University. The journey starts by visiting them where else? Online at AthabascaU.ca. 
hanging out with Erica Baruti's Mark McQuaig Boyd and Leah Ward on the heels of the announcement from Rachel Notley that she's triggering a leadership race, essentially, to see who will lead Alberta's official opposition into the next election. So obviously got to ask the question. Um, I'm sure that you are in some capacity interested in this leadership race. I don't know if you have a horse in the race officially yet. Nobody's announced that they're seeking it yet, Leah. But but do you have a favorite? Have you committed to a team? Well, out of out of respect for the process, uh, you know, I'll 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 keep my uh, my pick, uh, you know, to myself until until folks have had a chance, until we've got a sense of the rules and we know, you know, when the race will start and when the vote will happen and 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 you know give people a chance to launch their campaigns. Uh, but I but we are you know there, there's been publications obviously sort of highlighting some of the front runners and I think all of them are are really exciting options for the party. Um, so I mean I, I'm looking forward to 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 a good race. Okay. Okay, so so here here's this is again unofficial and unscientific. Please, I mean, well, if you want to get pissed off, uh, we are always looking for material for the flamethrower presented by the DQs of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. But but Twitter only gives me four options on a poll. Okay, so so here's what I threw out there. The scuttlebutt is is that we could and maybe will see leadership bids from these three individuals, and then we put other as the fourth option. Number one, Racky Pancholi, uh, the Edmonton White Mud MLA. Number two, uh, an MLA and former minister out of Calgary, Kathleen Ganley, uh, a popular MLA and former minister as well, uh, Sarah Hoffman out of Edmonton. She's my MLA. And then in the other category, we've asked people to reply below. There's a lot of love for Janice Irwin in those replies. Uh, as it stands right now, about 1,100 votes with 12 hours left to go. 47% half of respondents are picking Racky Pancholi. Uh, about 20%, just under 20 for Kathleen Ganley, about 10% for Sarah Hoffman, and a quarter of the votes say other uh does that surprise you mark you got kind of a coy look on your face right now have, have you uh declared your support or will you be declaring your support either privately or publicly it could be just between the four of us here if you like <laughs> uh no likely i'm gonna wait and see what process unfolds and and who decides to run um you know i certainly know all those folks and uh, as leah said they all bring something to the race, um, but I think there'll maybe be some others, and yeah, I'm going to sit back and watch. It. Okay, so you're you're yeah. you're going to, uh, of course, you're you're probably friends with, and, and and maybe even who knows, future colleagues with some of these people. Yeah. You've sat around a cabinet table with Kathleen Ganley and Sarah Hoffman. So I want to ask you what the two of them bring to the table. Maybe give us some insight into their personality. Uh, tell us a story about Kathleen Ganley. Oh, I don't know if I have a story, but uh, she's certainly a very bright lady. Uh, I worked with her on the. Um, legislative committee uh big eye for detail yeah so <laughs> former a former justice minister former, i should say yeah justice minister and lawyer uh so i learned a lot about reading the fine print on things and uh she's done i know she's done a lot of work in calgary uh, meeting with energy people as energy critic and um, a number have said how much how how well she presents herself and she gets it and uh has she's done some good work there um you know sarah's well known in in edmonton here yeah edmonton public school board edmonton led that for public, quite some time yeah. health minister yeah very well known in those circles and uh, both were great ministers to work with and uh you know sarah's probably the most aligned with rachel i would think right now uh, i hear people saying that but what does that mean um, I think she's more on the social end of things. You know, she, like she cares about the healthcare and the and education and those things. Um, but she's smart as a whip too, and and learns very quickly. And I know she stood in for me when I was away on vacation when we had a, a bit of a 
energy issue to, mm. to deal with. And she learned very quickly the issue and spoke very well to it. So, uh, so you, we've learned you owe her one. I do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but uh, both part smart ladies. We didn't, uh, we didn't expect to see, uh, Rachel Notley endorse somebody, certainly not in, in, in her no. goodbye speech. Um, do you expect at some point that that may happen or, you know, her very well, uh, Leah, is this something that you expect Notley to kind of stay out of yeah I, I i know her to care a lot about process and fairness mm -hmm. and so i think she'll be incredibly careful uh to you know yeah. to to consult broadly on the rules to make sure that nobody has an unfair advantage to keep her thumb off this off the scale and and i would expect nothing less from do you her. think that she has a favorite deep down inside that, that, that's yeah. for her to that's know her, yeah the feeling of <laughs> yeah. an heir apparent yeah. does anything surprise you about the unofficial unscientific twitter poll that we're conducting and any trend jump out at you there no not at all i think that's what you've been kind of hearing in political circles like the three names for sure um i was actually a little bit surprised that raki had such a an advantage um you know, when you look at this, you know, because it's just between the four of us, um, the, from the UCP perspective, like, I think that um, Ganley and like Raki are, are kind of the bigger threats to the UCP. And that's probably because they're more centrist. They're both, you know, especially Raki, very charismatic, like, um, and they can go, you know, probably the closest from what I see to be able to go head to head with Danielle Smith. Now, I don't think they're there yet, obviously, but I think that they have the potential. So I think you'll see see a lot of people maybe split their votes or decide which camps early on uh, from those two. But, you know, I'm hoping for some extreme leftist to win, which uh, helps my party out a lot. So we it's just a different. Those. There's no, there's no, there's oh, no okay. you, you for sure have them. They're just hiding. We'll find them. <laughs> well, well, I, yeah, I'd, I'd be curious to know, like, I remember um, I'm, I'm a people watcher. Like I'm, this is kind of cliche, but like, I love being at the airport arrivals lounge. I love being at, well, I don't love being at malls, but you know what I mean? I love watching people and I remember covering uh, for a TV network uh, in 2015 the night that that Rachel won and I remember seeing Linda Duncan remember like Linda had been kind of on an island as the as the federal NDP MP for, you know for a long time and everything and seeing her face but but the point I'm getting at is seeing the crowd of supporters and kind of what made up that crowd and it just kind of you're kind of like this is the NDP crowd and and this was a huge this was like a Super Bowl win for them I mean this mm -hmm. was unbelievable and then I've been to to, to UC victory nights and, and for that same tv network i covered 2019 when kenny won and you go okay that's kind of the ucp crowd and it's a smaller sample size but, but it kind of gives you an idea has the identity of the party i mean that could include the membership that could include the donors that could has, has it dramatically changed do you think from where it was 10 or 12 or 14 years ago yeah, there's no question. I mean, it's it's grown exponentially and and kind of unimaginably if you mm -hmm. consider where the party was, let's say in in well 2014 when Rachel took over the leadership. But 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 let's remember uh, when she launched her campaign in 2015 that mm -hmm. ultimately ended in in winning government. You know, she she had the audacity to stand up and say, you know, I'm running for premier. With, yeah. with a, with a four-person caucus. Yes. Um, and, and from that moment on, we've grown the party to a point where, you know, we uh, quarter after quarter after quarter, we were out fundraising the, the UCP while they were in government. You know, we we came within inches of forming a, a second government. We have the strongest opposition with with really talented and exciting and high profile MLAs who are who are chomping at the bit to do to do good work for Alberta. So so, yeah, yeah. It, we, we've 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 changed the face of of the party. But and, and if, if you'll indulge me for one more second, yeah, what ahead. I think what I think what I think it reflects is 
uh, an, a, a more accurate depiction of, of the province. And so what Rachel was able to do was to, was to show people, and I think Mark uh, alluded to this, that, that the story being told about Alberta uh, isn't the isn't the true story of Alberta. The true story of Alberta is a diverse and energetic and optimistic yeah. and progressive and a forward looking group of people. Yeah. And and she was able to show those people that that there's a home for them in the NDP. And that's where the growth came from. On the flip side, what would you say is the story that is being told about Alberta that isn't Alberta? Well, look, just oil I, drunken sort of like climate deniers. Well, anti-renewables, anti-progress, uh, anti-Ottawa, pretty much anti-anti-anti, mm. <laughs> right? That you know that that we're not capable of of taking up bold uh, positions and tackling big problems and and looking to the future and being prepared for it and and you know going with the world. Um, yeah, I think that's a story that serves the UCP and is being told. And in when I travel, I travel a lot for work, and when I'm in other parts of of Canada, that that. That, 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 that's how we're depicted. And, you know, I think there's a lot of Albertans who are kind of tired of, of defending against that because it's not who we are. Huh. Oh, oh look well, at that. Well, <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I want to jump in here because I do think that the, the brand and reputation of us being anti has been, even during, you know, Klein, Stelmac, it was, it was something that Alberta had because of our success in the, the natural resource sector. But even under Klein was the first um, climate plan. We've been progressive, if you will, on a lot of that, but we have had to combat the quote unquote tar sands as a province for a very long time. I don't think it's necessarily the NDP that can take credit for the, the movement that way on all fronts, like besides I'd say anti-Ottawa, uh, the, the current government is really working hard to talk about renewables, to talk about um, putting yeah. money where they are. they How, how not? Well, the, pausing them all for seven months. Is, okay, uh, every time I come on the show, I, I, no, but I don't, I don't, no, well, because well, it's a big thing. I don't, I, I, I don't mean to yeah, yeah. step on your toes and make it about that. I'm just saying I, no, I don't know I mean, if I would like, give this government credit under for Under Redford, it. there was significant change that then Rachel leveraged when she became premier. Sure. Like, it's not, it's not a conservative. You should mention Eddie Stelmac and the yeah. Royalty Review and carbon pricing. And I mean, yeah, it, yeah there's it, been, it has kind of gone on a, on a climbing. Yeah. And I do think we are not necessarily the Wild West that sometimes the rest of the the or the country sees. But I think we all combat that. And I think that conservatives are doing uh, a good job on trying to get that message across because ultimately, regardless of what side you sit on, we all love this province and we want it to be um, prosperous and we want the people here to have the best opportunity to live. And that's where I think everyone around this table agrees that uh, the leaders of either party are doing what they believe uh, is in the best interest of the province. Okay, let's get to this unofficial, unscientific Twitter poll. So we mentioned about a quarter of the respondents um, voted for others. So they say it's not going to be Racky or it's not going to be uh, Sarah and it's not going to be Kathleen. Uh, Spencer says for sure I think it'll be Janice Irwin and Oregano. Her cat could be Minister of Meows, uh, which I can get behind. Uh, that's got 22 likes by the way. So it looks like Oregano's getting some votes yeah. here. It does sound low. Uh, David Egan getting a shout out. David Shepard's had some shouts mm -hmm. out as well. Uh, obviously uh, Shepard is like just a, a great dude. Uh, yeah. Probably the sharpest dressed fella at the Alberta legislature mm -hmm. and, and capable yeah. right now as as health critic, you heard him on the show a while ago talking about how he doesn't think the UCP could run a lemonade stand. That was the zinger he threw out there. Uh, El Jefe says, I don't know, but I have a hard time believing the NDP will succeed. First, it was Grant and then Rachel. The Notleys are 
the NDP. Uh, They're the two biggest names in Alberta NDP history. There's no doubt about that, Mark. Uh, That, I guess, doesn't maybe stand as a a barrier in front of people. It's just a reality. This next leader will put their own stamp on a party that has Notley written all over it. Yeah, they will. You know, they'll have to. You can't replace Rachel, so you have Mm -hmm. to look at who's the next one that can lead the party you know, in continue the good work and then lead them in a in a good direction. And um, but certainly Grant, uh, he's the reason I became an NDP. He was my MLA. Oh, is that right? Yeah, for, I was in Fairview for a number of years, and I knew Grant very well. Hmm. Um, in fact, I've known Rachel since she was probably twelve. Um, <laughs> you watched her grow up in Fairview, you know, and I her her brothers I taught and. Uh, so you that know, must have been a wild night for you <laughs> when you when you won the election uh, with the leader of your party, the girl you'd watched grow up since she was 12. Yeah. That must have been crazy. Yeah, I you know, I kind of knew it would happen one day. It was just a matter of when, um, you know, I've watched her grow up. And, you know, she had two strong parents who uh, believed in social democracy. And uh, I used to see bits of both of them. Uh, Rachel's speaking ability is her dad huh. through and through. But her feistiness is your mom. And uh, I know one day she was in the ledge uh, scolding, can't remember which MLA really well. And um, and I said after, I said, that was your mom. And she goes, you think? And I uh, said, yeah, it, I just the scolding part just reminded me of Sandy <laughs> so much. But, you know, she couldn't help but be who she is because of the way she was raised. And certainly the Notleys have left it. But that doesn't mean somebody else isn't going to come forward oh, and make their not. mark as well yeah, of course not um not my farm nice handle on twitter says none of the people you mentioned ryan will ever beat danielle smith this is not a contest of the mla you like the most but the one that'll win all three candidates don't have wide enough appeal to swing right hand voters uh progressive albertan says i'd like to see thomas lukasik run <laughs> uh the former deputy premier under Allison Redford, uh, says he caught my eye when he endorsed Notley in 2023, and he's been a person who seems like a strong fit for leadership. Uh, Progressive also says uh, Irwin Ganley would also be candidates for leadership based on legislative performance. Would would, would an outsider with political chops, um, let me throw you three names in one question, Leah. Thomas Lukasik, Don Iveson, Nahed Nenshi. Uh, could somebody that is not currently affiliated with the, I mean, I guess we don't know the rules yet, but could you see one of those three uh, being a serious contender for the leadership if they were interested? Yeah. So, I mean, you, you helped with the answer in the question, which mm-hmm. is that the rules would, the rules will determine whether or not that, that that's likely. Uh, I don't, I don't see why not. And I think it's, I think it's a testament to the growth of the party and its viability that, that people are even speculating about, uh, about folks mm-hmm. who, who may not have traditionally been tied to the NDP who, who, who would consider leading it into the next election. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think I think what what's really interesting to think about in terms of this next phase is one thing that came through as my DMs were blowing up yesterday <laughs> was uh, was the the term end of an era. That's why people kept texting end of yeah. an era, end of an era, end of an era, and and I think. Uh, you know, Rachel, Rachel stepping down really does conclude an, an era of politics in Alberta and for the NDP. And what's going to be important, whether it's an outsider or an existing MLA, is that they they can write the next chapter. Um, and so, you know, like mm-hmm. Mark said, we're, we can't replace Rachel uh, and we shouldn't be looking to. We should be looking for someone who can harness some of that energy, some of that chutzpah, some of that mm-hmm. that 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 bold audacity, but take it to the next level, yeah. grow the party 
party, bring in, you know, fresh perspectives, bold ideas. That that's what we're looking for. Um, so whether it comes from the inside or the outside, I think it's the it's the characteristics uh, that, that that are going to be important. It, you you like blew back in your chair when I said Thomas Lukasik, Erica. I I will say this: I do have uh, some insider knowledge, and while I don't speak for anybody, um, I was with. Thomas, that well, that just about came out sounding the wrong way. Let me say, I, I saw Thomas Lukaszczyk's wife in Jasper this weekend, uh, Stacy Brodsel. See how that could have gone sideways. That could have yeah. gone sideways, <laughs> pr- poorly worded. Yeah. Um, a, a longtime colleague of mine and good friend, and uh, she she said very candidly that uh, Thomas is not pursuing a future in politics. I asked her pretty plainly and said, "Could you see him ever getting back in the mix?" And she just looked at me. Anybody that knows Stacy, and she went. Why? <laughs> oh, that's a spouse. That's a spouse of anyone who works in yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'll just speak for them and decide right. before yeah. they can speak for themselves. Yeah, yeah. but but could 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 you see something like that ever happening? Is because because you you know that the current conservative party, and this is not an official position, but a lot of people have been informed that they're not exactly on the in with the current administration. And Thomas Lukasik might be, be on one the top of, of that list. Might yeah. be one of those. Um, full disclosure, I used to work for Thomas Lukasik uh, when he was Minister of Education. And so, you know, I, I definitely am not surprised he's gone NDP. He does not consider Jason Kenney a friend. Um, he was very vocal. Uh, it wasn't a slow shift. He's always been very, very progressive, um, you know, and, and some might argue never a conservative. But he's... he's He's there. He really likes to tweet. Um, and so, you know, he has an opinion. I, I just think that coming back to actually what we were talking about, and actually, I think I can't remember the listener's handle, but said something about it's not about likability. It's about like ability to your, your competency, essentially. And I think that's where, um, you know, some of those names that were mentioned, I personally like them. They're they're wonderful people, um, but do they have the what it takes? And as Marg was saying about Rachel, how she had that in her blood. She had it in her personality for a very long time. She had those those natural skills. Where I think some of the other people that were listed um, are just really nice people that are are you know nice to be around regardless of size, and they're also very clear on where they sit and they advocate, but they've got kind of one issue or one stance versus being able to bring a team together. And I'll give a conservative example. Pierre Polyev in the last, many of the conservative leaderships we've had, um, wasn't ready until now. He was kind of the pit bull for a really long time. He, you know, chomped at the bit, went fiscally against everyone and didn't have what it takes or he wasn't ready in that moment to take over because you have to bring a caucus together. You have to be able to step up from being a member of the team to the captain of the team. And I think that's what's really going to, in any leadership race, set apart who can lead and who is a person that's maybe using this to to up their credentials or be recognized, right? So we might see people in this leadership race mm-hmm. that know they have no hope of running, but want to be like, okay, if we form government, my reputation's gone up. Mm-hmm. I did something to show that I want to be a part of this movement and stuff like that. So that's something else we're also going to have to weigh. Um, of like Kevin O'Leary. <laughs> I may have worked Who? on his leadership. <laughs> Actually? I said may. Mr. Wonderful? <laughs> <laughs> Who will be the Kevin O'Leary of the Alberta NDP leadership race? That'd be an interesting Twitter poll. I tied Pierre into there, Rachel Notley somehow. Yeah, that, so. was a, that was an unlikely one, <laughs> yeah. but I like that you went there. Uh, there, there is an, an unlikely individual um, that's uh, inserting their name and their take into this. As a matter of fact, threatening to take over the party, like he's taken over the UCP board. You guys uh, can have him. I'm gonna. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. I'm going to get to talk about the poor man's Napoleon. Take back Alberta founder uh, David Parker in just a second. But first, I mentioned Jasper this weekend. And every Wednesday, we take a second uh, to just remind you of my Jasper memories right here on Real Talk, presented by our friends at Tourism Jasper. And you know, uh, if you were watching last week, if you're paying attention to the podcast, that it was the kickoff weekend to Jasper in January. And I was so thrilled to have an opportunity to head out there. And I wanted to show you a few of the memories that we made. It was literally minus 35, minus 40. So there wasn't anybody in that beautiful outdoor pool overlooking Lac Beauvert. But still, what a stunning stunning view look at those bluebird skies you can hear almost can't you that big canada flag flapping there unbelievable moses our boxer he's closing in on his 12th birthday wasn't exactly thrilled about it but he had the boots and the coat on and you know when the pups are out there their sniffers are just going right all the sights the sounds the smells for animals and humans alike absolutely delightful took it into the lounge at the fairmont jasper park lodge because who couldn't crush a french onion soup on a cold winter day took my cider with a little bit of ice in it and then transitioned to the maple old-fashioned because nobody pours them better than they do in the emerald lounge at the fairmont jasper park lodge that's year-round by the way but they taste a little bit better in january had so much fun at their annual whiskey wine and hops festival with the amazing storytellers the teams at the fairmont and tourism Jasper, some of my media colleagues. The live music out there continues at great venues. We were at the Dead Dog. Of course, you know there's the Whistle Stop, the Athaby. There's so many different options for you to have a blast out there. And January, this this town just comes alive. It's people just remembering and, and recognizing what that crisp mountain air does for you. It runs through till January 28th. They've got amazing events every single night. There's that poutine festival that they've got on, like literally a poutine competition. How cool is that? Some featured events including that Jasper Pond Hockey Tournament that's coming up next weekend. A street party. Fireworks on January 27th. And plus, of course, the Mountain Malenka as well. The Ukrainian Festival. The New Year's celebration in Jasper National Park. You can learn more by visiting them online. Jasper.travel slash January or simply click on the show notes in the podcast or on YouTube. My Jasper Memories, presented by Tourism Jasper, Wednesdays, right here on Real Talk. Out of nowhere yesterday, the founder of Take Back Alberta. This is the guy, essentially, that's taken over the UCP board. He's got Danielle Smith in his crosshairs, depending on the day. He said on this show that he's going to be taking over school boards next. He doesn't like all this gender identity talk. He thinks that parents are being overlooked. You've heard him ranting, and of course... You probably saw this tweet yesterday. David Parker says it's time to take back the Alberta NDP. Michael Connolly took the bait. Former MLA says, my dude, you can't take back something that was never yours to begin with. And Parker says it will be. Watch me. He's done it before, Leah. Could somebody come in? A hostile takeover of the NDP. Could it happen, do you think? And don't say we don't know the rules yet. I'm talking in theory. Could somebody sell enough memberships, load this thing up, and essentially collapse the party. Well, I'm in in theory, I suppose, but I like I don't think um, I don't I don't think that's a credible threat. I, I think it's a pretty unrealistic 
thing to expect. And I, I, so I won't defer to, we don't know the rules yet, but I will say that I know that the, the executive members of the party and, and Rachel, as they contemplate the rules are considering ways to protect against, you know, bad faith actors who would come in as disruptors rather than, you know, people invested in the future of the province. Um, they'll, they'll be thinking about that as they set the rules, but I, I would actually caution against overcompensating for that threat because I, I don't think it's real. Um, you know, like, like think, think, think about what needs to happen. They need to, they need, they need to sell, first of all, uh, so they need to sell NDP memberships to people who hate the NDP. So uh -huh. they have to give money to the party. Uh, and then and then vote for one of the NDP candidates. So they're they're not going to get their own candidate approved through the, through the vetting process. So all of that just feels so unlikely to me that I hope we don't take that threat so seriously that we make rules for them and not for us. If if if, yeah. if that if that if that's helpful. But the UCP didn't really take the threat seriously, and now this guy's controlling the board. But I would say I think our, our rules, <clears throat> getting into my policy nerdness of the party, mm -hmm. um, I think our rules are very different. So ours doesn't really stop um, the mass purchase of memberships. So it's one member, one vote. Your rules can, we'll see what they are, but could be different mm -hmm. to uh, vet those memberships a little bit more. I do agree with um, Leah, I don't think that they should overcompensate for this. But as I kind of snuff, if if David Parker goes to over to the NDP for six months, uh, well, that's great. <laughs> um, so I, I do think where where it would be interesting though is it's also a very different climate of like Leah said who you sell memberships to, how you mobilize, again, very different than the UCP, very grassroots structure. Um, so I, I don't think that you can apply the formula in which he's used maybe for the UCP on the NDP's mm -hmm. structure. So, and, and probably similarly to the school boards, it's gonna be maybe a realization that one formula or one shoot is, you know, one size does not fit all on how he's been able to um, maybe have influence in the UCP uh, with the NDP. And I mean, he comes out and says it. I would say like, if you really want to infiltrate, don't tweet about it and just do it. Mark, right? you're, you're just laughing. You've been laughing ever since <laughs> I, I like, started. Why tweet about it? You're like, here's all my cards, guys. <laughs> but you haven't stopped laughing the whole time we're talking about this, Mark. Well, it's, I just think it's a stupid threat. And, um, you know, they couldn't win Westlock the other day, uh, you know, trying to run a candidate in Westlock. So, um, you know, I, I, I think I agree with Leah, like, don't give it too much attention. And and I agree with Erica, like, don't tweet it. Like, how stupid is that? You yeah. Know? Yeah. I, I, I think mean, it's ego. It over reminds strategy me of, there. Well, I mean, I've got I've got a buddy that thinks if if he had like a 50 foot head start that he could beat Connor McDavid in a lap around the oh, ice. Yeah. And I, I just love people that think this way. And I would love to see him try. Me well, too. Because sometimes you love seeing somebody just get smoked. Uh, well, sometimes. and it was reminiscent of coup d'etat a few years ago when he was going to do the same with George the convention. Yeah. 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 He was going to buy memberships and go to convention and disrupt. And it was a nothing. You know, yeah. it was just. Yeah. Great reference. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was cut a tut. <laughs> cut a tut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there's some discussion about whether or not the leader needs to be from Calgary. Um, oh, yeah. I'm not sold on the idea. I don't think you need to be from Calgary, but obviously Calgary is hugely important to, to any party that wants to form government. Does that give someone like Kathleen Ganley or, or Irfan Sabir maybe an edge? So, so. Uh, actually, Erica's brought this up a couple of times that the whoever wins this leadership will go up against Daniel Smith. Well, 
We don't Assuming know. Assuming Danielle Smith is still Assuming the leader, you'll have a great track record for keeping leaders. <laughs> no, not for an in any of our conservative term. parties. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but let's say so. Let's let's imagine it's still it's still Danielle Smith, but certainly against a, a UCP premier, um, and and that person needs to be ready to govern the whole province. So yes, Calgary is an important electoral jurisdiction. We've seen tremendous growth there uh, with a leader from Edmonton. Uh, so I I don't think that postal code precludes any specific leader, and I think any. Anyone who would suggest that this race is about who is the most Calgary should probably consider a bid for mayor uh, and, and is missing the forest for the trees. This race is about who can win government. That's an interesting point about mayor. Uh, I don't know if the mics picked it up, but everybody else, um, the, the, the the Tweed twins over here, uh, both kind of resonated with them as well. Uh, Mark, you, you you represented a rural riding, mm -hmm. right, as Minister of Energy and, and as MLA. They're, they're, um, I, I saw in, a, in a, a great feature piece by Dawn Braid, uh, Rachel says that, you know, when she says, yeah, we, we made some mistakes and there were some learning mm -hmm. opportunities, she identified Bill 6, mm -hmm. uh, the farm safety legislation, as as uh, the, the moment that the honeymoon ended. Yep. Um, there's obviously some ground to be gained in rural areas. And, yeah. and people like me are oftentimes guilty of spending too much time talking about Calgary and, and Edmonton. I mean, it's, it's a three-headed monster, right? You've got great insight here. Yeah, I agree. I think um, there has to be a plan by someone to... Uh, how are they going to bring back the rurals? And I think they are, you know, they can be brought back. There was, when I was in government, there was 11 of us that were rural MLAs. So um, I think that's important. And I agree with uh, Leah. I don't think Calgary is the, the be all end all. I think it's somebody who is going to bring the whole province in. Um, but they, that said, they're going to have to spend some time in Calgary mm -hmm. to, to get to know, but they also need, are going to need to spend some time in rural Alberta. Mm -hmm to hear what the concerns are and why do people feel so disenfranchised? Yeah, I remember a photo op. It was uh, Rachel, and I think it was O'Neill Carlier, I think it was, uh, former ag minister, right mm -hmm. off the top of my head. Yeah. I remember it, I, I think it was the two of them, both on horseback in boots and like riding capably and like wearing oh, yeah. cowboy hats. And I was like, uh-oh, this is an optics problem for the conservatives. If if the NDP can pull off this look, that could, that, that could gain yeah. some ground I remember that ad. Yeah, I was you? like, oh, it was, she's on a horse. I thought like, it was rich. Yeah. She, was, she was doing well on it. I was yeah, like, I oh, here we go. it was actually like her launch well, she, or her leadership. But she, she's done it a few times, but well, I remember she grew this. Up, she yeah. riding horses. Yeah, 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 it's not yeah. like a photo op for her. No, that's they, just her thing. They had no, but two I, horses always. I think it surprised a lot of people, though, because that's just not how you maybe saw her. One thing to consider, though, is, you know, rural's really tough for the NDP to win. So far, there's people in Calgary and Edmonton, like from a strategy standpoint, again, because it's just between the four of us, um, <laughs> The there's benefit to have the leader in Edmonton because it's such a str ND, mm -hmm. strong NDP stronghold. So, you know, Calgary, like if you're battling for your seat in the next election, just as much as you're battling to become government, that adds a lot of complexities to an overall campaign strategy, right? right? Mm -hmm. So you got it like, I mean, the premier went down to her riding several times and did her local debates and things like that. But it was a pretty safe seat. Same um, with Rachel Notley. And exactly. Her and I mean, so it's... you don't have to be there. But like if you're if you're from Calgary and, you know, not, there's I don't know, I would say there's not really they could go either way. Some of them or a lot of them, as we've just seen. Uh, so that's something else to consider when you're going into. And I don't think the average voter of the NDP is going to think about that. But as someone that's entering their name for leader, you're going to have to have a strong constituency effort as well to balance it out. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with Leah. It's 
be in Calgary a lot. I know Rachel Notley's in Calgary a lot, continuing to do work with stakeholders. Yeah. Um, it's about having a presence in a place as opposed to where you yeah. where you call home. Huh. Um, I, I want to thank the three of you for your time, but we, we got uh, several emails about Rachel Notley. And, and I think part of this needs to be, as, as the premier did yesterday, uh, and as others have as well, former staffers of hers, uh, like, but part of this needs to be recognizing a politician and public servant that's mm-hmm. given it their all. And then part of it, the, 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 the talk show hosts and the podcast salivate over is a leadership race and the engagement that comes with that. And we'll have lots to talk about. Uh, so I thought maybe I'd wrap with reading one of the emails we got and then, then kind of hand it over to the three of you for a closing remark. Uh, this one uh, from Jillian, who wrote into talk at RyanJesperson.com, says, I have a few thoughts about Rachel Notley that, in my view, aren't spoken about enough. There was a reason why outside of Alberta, she was one of the most liked and respected premiers. Here in Alberta, uh, too many folks just couldn't look past the fact that she was Team Orange. Uh, Here in Alberta, too many folks still approach politics like hockey, uh, cheering for jerseys instead of voting for policies or character. I arrived in Edmonton months before the Orange Crush, having just left London, England, and having grown up in Quebec. I couldn't believe the caliber of politician this province had in Rachel Notley. What was more shocking, though, was that not enough people seemed to see it. Uh, So here is what, in my view, made Notley unique as a politician on this planet. She says, you don't become leader of the Alberta NDP because you crave power. Notley took over a party that didn't stand a chance. And then she rode a wave of voter disappointment and disillusionment with the conservatives all the way to the top job. The only response that the parties on the right had was to merge, not to change or offer better, but to merge. Folks who are quick to criticize Notley's competence need to remember that the night or that rather the right in this province saw merging as the only way that they could beat her. That's how strong and appealing she actually was. Uh, Notley's the leader many people disillusioned with politics dream of. Make movies about the decent person who gets in, like in Designated Survivor, um, the good guy or good gal who would never have been dishonest or cutthroat enough to make it to the top, though through the usual political routes. But something happens and all of a sudden there they are. The last time I can think of something like that happening was when Jack Layton's NDP, in quotes, accidentally become became the official opposition because Quebec was in a mood. She says good things happen when people who don't crave power gain power. Remember that old saying, something like everyone should be allowed into politics except for those who want it. Notley built 14 new schools, funded classrooms, special needs kids, worked with the feds to reawaken TMX. She gave to the left and she gave to the right, but the right never forgave her for playing on Team Orange. Our first years in Alberta were under a Notley government, so this gives us a bit of hope, says Jillian, for what Alberta can be if we stop trying or make everything orange v. blue. I hope the NDP chooses another common sense centrist leader to pick up where Rachel left off. That from Jillian, what do you think? That was comprehensive and uh, and and kind of touching to, to hear. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I, it, it goes back to sort of what I was saying off the top around around pragmatism um, and, uh, and 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 a leader who can come in and offer offer hope and a vision for for Albertans. I think I think uh, Rachel was able to show people. Uh, who felt disenfranchised that they belonged in the political process and that their province uh, could serve their interests as well. Um, And I think the new leader has an opportunity to reintroduce that concept, um, you know, as as we go forward. So, Hmm. Mark, I think Jillian really nailed it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, Rachel's always been in for the right reasons. And I I think the next person has the opportunity to be there for the right reasons as well. And as Leah said, um, create a vision of hope and uh, inclusion. I think that's really important. Mm. Erica? 
Yeah, I would say Jillian has a great op-ed on her hands. Yeah, uh, I agree. And then she might want to submit. Uh, because well, she I think just it's, did. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> true. It's a nice ode to Rachel. Um, you know, I have been in politics for almost 20 years, and I've come and gone and been involved in not, and Rachel Notley has been there for most of that, right? 2008 and involved before. So she's consistently been part of that movement and got the party where she said today. So the only thing I want to say about Rachel Notley is thank her, thank her for her service to Alberta and for always standing up for what she believes in. Hey, um, we do uh, want to let folks know as well that the discourse, uh, one yes. of Alberta's oh, yeah. most downloaded, right one then. of Canada's <laughs> most downloaded political podcasts is coming back, but that's your announcement, not mine. Yeah, we'll be back at very, very soon. So Cheryl Oates and I will be diving into all things. And we didn't plan this <laughs> around uh, Rachel's resignation, but we're very excited to, to be back. It's nice timing. So that's Erica Baruti's in partnership with Cheryl Oates, who was, of course, a big part of Rachel and Ali's communications and strategy team for for a number of years. Uh, in just a second, uh, and, and our thanks to, to Leah Ward. Um, uh, they're a VP at Wellington Advocacy. Of course, uh, Ali's former senior advisor and Director of Comms, uh, Mark McQuaig Boyd at uh, Council Public Affairs, a former mm -hmm. Minister of Energy. Hang on, what am I doing? Rapping? We haven't even asked you about this weekend. What? Can, do you guys have five more minutes? Erica, you got to go. I just texted her. She's fine. It's okay. I think so. Well, I texted her. She hasn't responded. So say okay. <laughs> We're making you late for your meeting. Communicate. I always say this. We need like doctor's notes that, that say I was on Real Talk and it went late. Sorry, People I can't can believe. People tune in and I can't, then know. We're I late feel anyway. like I've been like putting the minus forty out of my mind and trying to forget about all this mm -hmm. because of how miserable it's been. This this weekend, but a very real threat to Alberta's uh, power supply. While we have you here, Mark, uh, you were energy minister. You're yep. very familiar with all the stuff that's been going on and the factors at play. Um, what were you thinking about this weekend and what's the number one storyline coming out of it? Well, I, I think planning matters. Um, you know, when we were in government, we, we planned the capacity market to address just such a thing as has been happening this winter. Um, it was never a permanent measure, but it was going to be in the transition to more uh, power coming online. So, um, you know, the UCP scrapped it and gambled and they gambled badly. And uh, these blackouts have been showing even the summer we were there was trouble happening then and they had a chance to maybe look at it and fix it. And they didn't. So, um, you know, they can people can blame Trudeau and Ottawa all they want. This is squarely on the UCP. And, uh, you know, there was a plan. Um, but, you know, hopefully they've learned from it and we look and there is going to be more supply coming online. So hopefully this rectifies. But it's kind of like not buying insurance. I think the minister, in fact, said that and uh, they gambled to not buy the insurance plan and uh, they have to pay now. It's not the thing you want to be right about. No. You know, the no. threat that rolling blackouts could have very well happened in, in life-threatening uh, environmental conditions. No, it was very serious this weekend. And uh, thankfully, to my knowledge, nobody passed away or or died or anything. But it it could have been so serious. And, uh, and hopefully, fingers crossed, it doesn't happen again this winter. You look like you want to say something on this. I know, <laughs> yeah, I, know I was really hoping I was going to... I was really going to talk about how I was like thinking Rachel, and that's how I was going to end. And now we've dived over <laughs> well, into we this. Well, we did keep we it classy. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. Did, we did end it there. But I'm sure that all three of you have a, have a take on this. And it's like mm -hmm. the biggest story in Canada yeah. over the weekend, mm -hmm. as far as we can tell. So, so yeah. maybe I'll get the two of you to chime in before we wrap. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I understand it's like something to know one wants to deal with. This isn't something a government wants to have to come and talk about. 
out um, mm-hmm. or have people, um, you know, there's harm for for individuals in Alberta. I will say, though, that when you were dealing with it, cool, uh, which we, you guys phased out, which Rachel not mentioned, actually, in mm-hmm. some of her top list, because, you know, she's proud about it. But this is a prime example of where some renewables if you watch ASO, solar isn't happening because mm-hmm. like we have a few hours of daylight when we're lucky. Um, and secondly, you have to turn off wind turbines when it's this type of weather. So you can't actually have them function. So some of the renewables that we're hoping to bring on don't necessarily offset the grid that we need for the capacity load. And when we're going, I think we're, you know, are moving off of coal, maybe if this is the weather we're now blessed with, um, it, it, the phase out of coal actually was a part of the influence of how the grid operates. And I'm sure we, you and I could get into all oh, of yeah. that, but it <laughs> well, is something where renewables don't actually come into play here yeah. because of the weather. It's not the first time you've heard this. No, no. Yeah. And the capacity market never contemplated the renewables piece so much as the conversion of uh, coal plants to natural gas. And uh, none of them have gone away. They're all operating still, but many of them are on natural gas. And there is that conversion phase, which is what the capacity market contemplated was there there would be. So the idea was keep some on hand. So if you needed extra supply, they could be cranked up quickly. And it was paying them to be on standby. And that was, I think, where the UCP disputed. They didn't see the need to pay somebody to, to be ready for on on-demand supply. Um, But renewables were never part of that. But ironically, the renewables did end the phase this weekend because they did they did uh, function when the sun came back. But uh, everybody knew that that wouldn't be what you were counting on. But I don't know if everyone knows that. (laughs) It was on the conversion. Well, and I think and I'm grateful to have you here because I think a lot of people just need to get schooled up on it, including me. On like, we don't know. All we know is like when we plug things into the wall, we expect them yeah. to work. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much it. I and- think the important thing, too, is this plan was brought brought together by consulting with industry. It wasn't a political plan that we invented. Uh, we consulted heavily with industry on it. And so it, it, it was it had sound backing. Hmm. Leah. So, I mean, I think I think you touched on the crux of it for for regular people, which is that they're not going to understand the the it's capacity market that 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 Mark could, could probably spend an hour teaching us all about. And, <laughs> and I and I appreciate the comments she made about sort of the planning that w- the missed opportunity around planning uh, uh, by the UCP here. Um, it's a bit of an uh, own own goal. Uh, uh, but but I think what Albertans want are less tired old blame games yep. uh, and solutions that mm-hmm. <laughs> allow them to uh, keep their heat on <laughs> and plug in their their I'm devices sorry. when they need when they need them um, and that is that is not a fight that that should not be a fight against renewables it should be a fight for uh, for planning 100 yeah. percent and, and I'd also suggest that like Rachel Notley uh, didn't leave the premier's office like three weeks ago, no. right? Uh, the Conservatives yeah. came back in 2019 and, and there's been a lot of time since then. So if people want to start pointing fingers, uh, it doesn't make any sense at all, no. logically, to point them at just one former government, one former premier. Let's have a fulsome and comprehensive conversation about whose policies factoring in here and where Alberta needs to go, most importantly, from here. Yeah. Uh, if you missed our conversation on Monday with uh, energy economist David Gray, I encourage you to <laughs> check out that episode of Real Talk. The guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah. He's worked across industry, across Canada. Uh, uh, for that matter, including in the Northwest Territories in Alberta, he's seen those uh, wild weather events and, of course, has a good understanding and, and can explain it in layperson's terms. Most importantly, that was uh, this week's first episode of Real Talk. You're welcome to check it out. We have a video that we're going to leave you with uh, before I uh, thank uh, a few of our sponsors. I want to mention uh, this video. There was a guest that was booked uh, to headline today's show. 
uh, he's one of the most popular YouTubers in the country. Uh, his no-nonsense brand of political commentary is not for everybody, but it is absolutely hilarious. Um, we bumped him because Rachel Notley announced her resignation, and we had to get this power panel in here, and he sent us a video. In just a second, I'm going to show that to you. We're going to wrap the show with it, a personalized video from one of the most popular YouTubers in the country. But first, speaking of renewables, our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy want to let you know that they are always hiring. They are literally always hiring. It doesn't matter what time of year it is. They're not sending their teams up on roofs right now to put panels on, but their design teams are working. Their engineers are working to make sure that those installs are ready. First time that spring weather allows, they're going to be getting people going green in Alberta, based out of Edmonton. They've got a beautiful office in Calgary. They're down in Lethbridge now. They're hiring up down there. And then in Kamloops, too. Kubi Renewable Energy is Western Canada's busiest installer. From the tiny little projects at your cottage all the way to the big ones at convention centers and office towers, people are trusting Kubi for solar energy solutions to power life. You can check out the careers link at kubienergy.ca. At Complete Care Restoration, a clear message for those of you that are maybe navigating a nightmare right now. Your pipes have burst. There's something going on weather-related, and you need to fixed as soon as possible nobody does it like complete care restoration they built our studio i can tell you firsthand we've seen their professionalism at play you can trust them with more than 25 years of experience and find them online at completecarerestoration.ca and a shout out to our friends at eden landscaping their teams are busy designing the summer installs right now as well if you want that water feature that outdoor kitchen you need your retaining wall fixed Aiden Landscaping is the go-to for people in the Metro Edmonton region that are looking to bring outdoor spaces to life. Custom landscape builders with more than 20 years of experience. You can make contact with them and get that design conversation started at landscapeedmonton.ca. All right, here it is. We're grateful that he graciously agreed to bump from Wednesday morning to Thursday from his home on the farm in Saskatchewan. Here's a personalized message. What he said to us when we asked him if he could be flexible. Here's Quick Dick McDick. All things considered, I don't really have much of a schedule. You know, whatever time it is at night here, I just finished shoveling a day's worth of frozen shit out of a trailer after hauling culls at minus 35 all day. So Thursday, fuck sure Thursday works. All right, there you have it. Quick Dick McDick will headline Thursday's episode of Real Talk and then coming up on Friday. We've got a great roundtable in store. In partnership with our friends at the Alberta Chambers of Commerce, we're going to take a look at the business angle on the big announcement this week, plus the outlook for what's driving investor confidence across the province of Alberta. And by the way, just in case you didn't already know, our inbox is open 24 hours a day. Talk at ryanjesperson.com. Let us know what you think about everything our panel dug into today. Who knows? You could hear your words read right here on Real Talk. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepard, Website Design Mike Johnston, VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. 
Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a Relay Project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.